The history of television is a history of failure. For every television series that lasted years and years, there were dozens that lasted only one season or less. But did they deserve to die? Or were they... Cancelled too soon? And welcome back to Cancel Too Soon, the podcast where we review television series that lasted only one season or less. My name is William Bibiani. I am a film critic for The Rap and Bloody Disgusting, and everybody calls me Bibbs. My name is Whitney Seibold. I write film reviews for IGN, other places occasionally as well. Hire him! <laughs> you can have me as a regular film critic, because a staff film critic is a position still. Somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> I ought to be somewhere, and I can be that man. <laughs> And today, boy howdy, first of all, we have to issue an apology. Yeah, so last week on Cancel Too Soon, I announced that for our 175th episode, and mm-hmm. on the 25s, we like to roll out a big one, uh, we were going to do Max Headroom, a, a really trailblazing cyberpunk uh, critique of mass media from the 1980s that became a brief fad uh, all over the world, shot Matt Br- Frewer into stardom. Br- Br- very big fad. Like, oh, Max, yeah, Max but, Headroom was everywhere for, but, for like, a couple brief. years. Yeah. Relatively brief, is my point. Uh, we were going to review that show because it had been released in America as only one season. Turns out, elsewhere, it had two seasons. Yeah, it, it's a Canadian program, uh, hence Matt Frewer. He's Canadian, too. Uh, and, yeah, in Canada, it was aired as two seasons. Yeah. And when it finally came to America, they decided to just lump them all together. Yeah, because so, the, the two seasons collectively is 14 episodes, and that looks like a single season of American television, so yeah. we were thrown. Yeah. And when we were starting to do some research, when we started watching Max Headroom, we realized, oh no. And it's a shame because we, we love that show. We break our rules, even if we want to. Again, so. at some point in the future, maybe let's try to get on that this year, we're going to do a, a theme month called Kinda. Kinda, yeah. Things which, that are two seasons or don't quite follow our, our very stringent Yeah, uh, or like they had setup. they had one season, but then there was one weird follow-up, so technically we never did it. Max Headroom ter- certainly qualifies. Yeah. Um, so maybe we'll get to it at some point. So we were like, oh crap, we have to find a sort of a last-minute replacement thing. Like, what would be appropriate to surprise you with uh-huh. and, and see if you have... Uh-huh. Opinions. Well, we actually have the perfect show for that. It's another show we've been threatening to do for a very long time. It is a show uh, that aired on the Galaxy Network on mm-hmm. September 30th, 1990. It lasted one episode, and you're about to find out why. <laughs> it's called Heil Honey, I'm Home. Heil Honey. Heil Honey. Heil Honey. Heil Honey. Heil Honey. Hello. So we need to talk about this show. Uh, Hi, honey, I'm home. 1990 uh, has a, a a fictional backstory to kind of take the curse off of it. It did not work. Uh, I, you know what? I think it did. Well, I, I think it did it, because it, it lasted one episode. It lasted technically, one. it didn't work. I suppose technically it didn't work for the rest of the episode. Aesthetically, artistically, comedy, I think it all works 
weirdly okay. It's a con- it's but a controversial and strange show. We're going to talk about it from a variety no, of angles. Um, it is a uh, kind of a satire of sitcoms more than anything. Yeah, these bland uh, suburban yeah. sitcoms about a working class guy and a stay at home wife, and, and how they get into foibles, yeah. and they have nosy neighbors, <clears throat> and how there's always like some weird guests coming over, and then there's a funny misunderstanding, it's, it's and it's a, so bland and inoffensive, and it was such a formula that you could just drop anyone into it mm. that the creator of Heil Honey, I'm Home, Jeff Atkinson, said. How can I just explode that yeah. by taking that framework everyone knows and can mm. recognize within seconds, but just put exactly the wrong people in it? So mm. he made a sitcom about Hitler and Ava Braun, who are New Yorkers in New Germany. They have New York accents. Uh. They they live in an apartment next to their Jewish neighbors, the Goldensteins, and Neville Chamberlain is coming over for dinner tonight, mm. and the neighbors are going to try to hook him up with their with their niece. But they're, home, they're, they're homely, obnoxious niece. Yeah. That's the that's the only episode yeah. of this that ever aired. Yeah, it's wow. Um, <laughs> it's I Love Lucy. That's yeah. the model they're going for. Even the set looks like I Love Lucy. Mm-hmm. But imagine if Lucy were Ava Braun and Desi were. Adolf Hitler. The set doesn't even make sense because, like, if you look at the set, and it's the typical sitcom set. Usually, mm. the main sitcom set is the living room. Yeah, there's there's the living room. We have the couch in the middle that faces the audience. Nobody ever sits in that couch. You notice that? Uh, very they kind rarely. Of, they kind very of rarely. orbit around it a lot. But, but yeah. there's this there's the the living room, mm-hmm. and then on the right, just like in I Love Lucy, there's the kitchen. Mm-hmm. But the door to the hall is like. Go, like, would like would like bump into the kitchen like hmm. it doesn't make any sense like even the <laughs> even the set design is kind of commenting on how absurd yeah. the set is it's like it's like Stanley Kubrick's The Shining where the geography makes no sense I uh, but if if you look at I Love Lucy the geography doesn't make sense and and eh, it works better than yeah, you think the, if you watch apartment. a lot of I Love Lucy the yeah. the they're at mm. They're along the hallway, the door to their... Well, actually, they switched apartments in Isle of Lucy at one point. That's true. I'm the first about couple like, of seasons, they were in one apartment, and then they switched to another one. And then I think they switched to another by the end when I they think, had uh, Ricky Jr. I, it, uh, I'm thinking about sort of like the, the early seasons, sort of the classic episodes, the ones that are rerun the most that I think most people are familiar yeah, with. I agree. Yeah, where there's this weird sort of hallway, and then there's the kitchen, and the kitchen has a back exit. And well, it's, it's, I think it's if like, you were like to go, escape. I think if you were to go out that back exit, like it w- should be in the next apartment, but it actually opens out to open air. So yeah, well, it's, no, they're they're on the edge of the building. It's, it's, like, it's like it's like House of Leaves. There's like an extra space inside yeah. the house that they can't <laughs> they count they can't account for. Wow, good old House of Leaves reference. I'm thank glad you. We fit thank that you. Into our Isle Honey, I'm I, I'm glad I can reference House of Leaves. Have you read House of Leaves? Pretty good book. <laughs> Nice and spooky. If you're a '90s kid from LA, it'll it'll really speak to you. Uh, but yeah, it, it's taking a lot of these really kind of embarrassingly uh, now bland sitcom tropes that were you know, revolutionary in the '50s. Mm. But you know, by the time we reached 1990, uh, we were already ripping sitcoms down because we already had stuff like Married with Children. And so this, yeah, this was a, uh, an attempt to sort of satirize that. Uh, there is another show exactly like this. Uh, that came about a decade later mm. called That's My Bush. Oh, yeah. Which only lasted one season, but I think that was intended to be like a miniseries. They don't they didn't plan beyond there's, the first there's season. Some, so there's some there's, argument about that. That's another one we'd probably cover on Kinda. We could cover on Kinda. But the idea was after uh, the election between Al Gore and mm. George W. Bush, uh, the guys who made South Park, mm. uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, were going to do a sitcom about whoever won. Mm. And because... They pitched two, yeah, they pitched two ideas. One was That's My Bush. The other one was called Everybody Loves Gore. <laughs> 
and the idea was, uh, yeah, whenever whenever it was decided, mm. you know, early November, like always, mm. they would debut the, the show shortly afterwards. Well, if you remember the, the shit show of that election, however. <laughs> took forever to find out who won that sucker, mm. so the show got delayed and delayed and delayed. But yeah, yeah That's My Bush lasted, I think, six episodes? And mm. every episode... I, I it was a, th- a full 13, wasn't it? Mm. That's My Bush? Eh, it wasn't that long. But in right. any case, they had a, there was a bunch of episodes of That's My Bush. Mm. And the vast majority of them, even though they were set in the White House and mm. dealt with political issues, were mostly a satire of sitcom tropes. Yeah. And the gag was, we're just using these famous figures. That's My Bush is funny. It's fun. It's, it's it's some episodes are too dark for their own good, but mostly well, I mean, it's, it's funny. It, it's made by the South Park guys, so they're you know clearly trying to be pointedly tasteless in in certain episodes, and I think yeah. that was the goal of Heil Honey, I'm Home. Mm. They are trying as hard as they can to make a tasteless show. Yeah, and uh, but you know, tasteless in a funny way. Uh, right. The show's creator. Uh, was a, a co- British comedian. He was a satirist. He wrote for Punch magazine, if you know Punch. It's mm-hmm. a, a comedy magazine in England. He would later go on um, uh, to write a... Sh- I don't know if it was a show or a TV movie called Between Iraq and a Hard Place. So we, we know his sense of humor. Yeah, he, uh, he tried this a couple of times. Yeah, he uh, he worked with Douglas Adams. You know, he, He's a pretty well-known mm-hmm. comedic presence, mm-hmm. or, or at least a... One with some pedigree. Uh, it was directed by Juliet May, who did a lot of television uh, over in Britain. She did uh, mm-hmm. probably the, the stuff people would know best over here was she did some episodes of Red Dwarf. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're right. It, it's obviously it's trying to push buttons. I think the there are two big problems Okay. with How Honey, I'm Home, just on the surface. Mm-hmm. One... <clears throat> You made a sitcom about Hitler. I don't care how meta you're being. I don't care how meta you're being. I don't. I get it. I get the joke. But that's an adult swim sketch. That is not a sitcom. That is not something I want to come back to every week. That was a mistake. And there are so many people, and rightly so, who just can't laugh at him. I get it. Mm. And we've had a lot of good Hitler comedies. Well, not a lot. We've had two. We've well, had The Producers <laughs> and we've had Jojo Rabbit. Okay. But that's well, a, it's a tightrope walk did, every single the, time. Have you seen the, the To Be or Not To Be music video that Mel Brooks put together? That into the music video. Yeah, where he he raps the the to be I, or not to be song. Oh, I missed that one. You, oh, you should look that. Okay, Listener, listeners, please look up uh, the the Mel Brooks to be or not to be and, rap. And and to be fair, there's also to be or not to be, which mm. was actually made during the war. Mm. And uh, boy, is that one on point. And of course, there's well, the great there, dictator yes, I was as about well. To say, like, there's, there, there's been plenty of of you know broad comic satires of Hitler. I mean, yeah. look at Monty Python for goodness sake. But very few of them actually want you to empathize with Hitler. And mm. when you take the storytelling tropes of a sitcom mm. that where all of the tropes are designed to humanize someone, uh-huh. and you apply them to Hitler, some people are just not going to find that funny, no matter mm. how meta, no matter how clever you are. And actually, I think there's another level uh-huh. to this show that I actually really appreciate from like a history perspective mm. that I'll talk about in a minute. But even so, playing with fire, probably dumb. The other big mistake that they made mm. was springing it on people in a block of sitcom programming. <laughs> this was on after, what was the show? It was a show called, was it Dad's War? Oh, yeah. Dad, yeah. Dad's Soldiers or something. Yeah, something like that. And it was like... Man, I gotta tell you, if you just were watching... Imagine, if you will, mm. you're watching must-see TV. 
watching, yeah, like, like Fred, TGIF night on ABC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever yeah. It is, like you're yeah. watching, you're, you're watching. That's a better example. You're watching Family Matters. You're watching mm. Boy Meets World, and then all of a sudden, there's a sitcom about Manson's family. A, a funny sitcom about yeah. what how hard it is for Manson to be a dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Now. In the abstract, you're thinking to yourself, that's very controversial and daring and yeah. could potentially, if done just right, be mm. very funny. Yeah. But think about the audience who just got dropped in the deep end. <laughs> of course they yeah. were pissed. That's not the right programming block. Mm. This is airing late night television at best. I don't know what the equivalent is in British TV in the 90s or even if there was one. Mm. But like, yeah, if this aired on Adult Swim now, uh-huh. There would still be people who said it would be it was offensive and maybe shouldn't have been made, and they've got an argument. However, there would also be people who are going, "That's funny, and that's this is where it belongs." Yeah, yeah. Because we're ready for it's, it it's, in it's, adults. It's definitely a late night show, and yeah. uh, again, if I were, first of all, if I were a TV executive, I would have been fired a long time ago. But. <laughs> I think if, we've I, if, that if I were a TV executive, I, I would have given this the green light. I would have said, "Go ahead, this You're, is really great." But in I would 1990, have said, you in nineteen ninety, but wow. I would have said, "I'm giving you the eleven thirty p.m. slot." Yeah. Or like after David Letterman, you know, that's where I'm going to yeah. slick. Or whatever stick this the Galaxy yeah. equivalent was. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to give it to Night Flight. You have to air it on the USA Network on Night Flight. That's yeah. going to be their episode. Yeah. This this is you have to communicate to the audience via programming, like via the the time slot. Mm-hmm. What, what, they're, what, what, they're they're, what they're supposed to be getting out of this. Yeah. Mm. Having this be a primetime sitcom, bad idea. Yeah. There's way too much irony. Now, the idea of sympathizing with Hitler uh, is a fine one because we're not sympathizing with Hitler. We're, we're goofing on Hitler. We are goofing we're, on we're, him. we're turning him into this, like, vapid sitcom character, and we're using that to comment not so much on Hitler but on sitcoms. Right. How we can use sitcoms to empathize with anybody, even if they're horrible. Right. And you see that with sitcoms a lot. We see these, like, especially the older ones, you see these, like, horrible husbands, abusive fathers, deadbeats, slugabeds. I mean, look at Fred Flintstone. He's not an aspirational figure by any means. <laughs> if anything, uh, those characters are kind of condescending to the audience. Like, that's you. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, is it? So, yeah, okay. the, and they're these, like, sawed-off, petty, not very smart assholes mm. who are always trying to suck up to bosses. And they're duplicitous. And they're, yeah, everyone lies to everyone. Yeah, they lie to their wives. They don't like their wives. These are horrible figures in these sitcoms. <laughs> Ralph Cramden is not a good man. <laughs> I think at their best, and I would say even, I would say I Love Lucy does this at its best, mm. they're satirizing that element of, mm. A, American society, and B, sort of narrative fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As and, well. And the way this, and the way this sitcom has come to be wielded mm-hmm. by by just television in general. The, right. the way these things were sort of thrown at the audience in the expectation that they'll relate to it and see real life in it when really it was selling a really backward version of American life. Right. And so why not stress that by having the worst possible person in that role? Right. Adolf Hitler. But you can't have, you know, the real Adolf Hitler because he was a monster. Yeah. And we also can't have a sitcom about Hitler, like, in the height of 
his his reign essentially yeah. the height of the Third Reich when, because, with all the concentration camps and what have you because that's hard to joke about. Well, even it's it's hard to even mm-hmm. allude to. I mean, I'm someone who finds the Star Wars Clone Wars animated series in poor taste uh-huh. because the protagonist, or at least one of the protagonists of that show, has already slaughtered children just for his own personal edification and attack of the clones, and will oh, right. eventually <laughs> commit genocide on Alderaan uh-huh. and kill more kids by hand just for fun. But they like, try to make him into this sort of warm, relatable character. I, I, I know that they're I, I know that they're illustrating his downfall or whatever, but mm. it strikes me as a little a little oh. fucked up to give him his own kid show. <laughs> like they give Space Hitler his own kid show, but yeah. like it's okay, it wasn't Space Hitler yet. Really? <laughs> the the adventures of young Hitler. But I would argue that the difference in between this and Clone Wars is that this is well there's two there's two main factors here. First off, Clone Wars is very sincere. It's okay. uh, it's not Star Wars is not an ironic franchise. It's no, a very sincere no, no. franchise. This they, show they, is clearly steeped in irony. They, they they tried and they took it away from the directors who were trying to make it ironic. True. The the Han Solo movie was supposed to be a, a spoof. Yeah. Well, I don't know how much of a spoof was well, supposed to be, but clearly they didn't like that tone mm-hmm. and they pulled it back. Um but uh the other issue though, and I think this is something that I think satirists have wanted to just sort of say, like, it's okay, it's, we're satirizing, it's funny, we need to be able to talk about anything. But I think we've learned recently, within this generation, mm-hmm. that there has been an extreme danger in taking too much of the edge off of historical atrocity. And that mm-hmm. people forget, people rewrite, and people mm-hmm. start adopting ideas that have been yeah, proven to be are. absolutely monstrous and horrible. Well, thinking we, that it's different because we're doing it. I'm like, maybe we should be a little bit more we, careful about yeah. curating these philosophies and well, making sure they are presented as as horrible well, as they are. I, I don't think that's necessarily the fault of the satirists. I think it was just sort of a general taking for granted that we were always going to be on the same side with this stuff. Yeah. And that people were still, uh, throughout all this, being equally educated throughout. And now they, a lot of people don't know about World War II, mm-hmm. and we see this kind of weird rise of people waving Nazi flags in America. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? I know. And listen, so, I realize I that it's not the satirist's fault that people are uneducated because yeah. the satirists clearly believed that everyone would always be equally on board that Hitler is a monster. Mm. But we've learned that that's not necessarily true and that the representation of a figure mm. like this in the media and having them be warm and cuddly mm. might actually be irresponsible in a way mm. that our, our, well, our a perfect world mm. presentation of satire might be. I, I, maybe so, but I'm looking at something called Heil Honey, I'm Home, and it's so brazenly corny and yeah. so openly satirical about what's going on here. I don't think a racist person would watch Heil Honey, I'm Home and think Hitler was a good guy. No, well, but listen, listen. I, there, there's, I, I, there, I, the mistake is not going to be made with something like this. I hope not, but yeah. I do believe it's fair to ask the question, now, yeah, should, so, is this responsible or not? So, I think that's a question when, that when should you, be asked. When you present, like, uh, I've heard you even said this once, uh, there was a scene in the uh, Rogue One mm. where Darth Vader, the evil genocidal monster, just murders a bunch of people and yep. and a Innocent lot of people re- rebels said, who are doing the right thing yeah. yeah and and everybody says that was a really exciting scene i loved that scene where the bad guy just goes to town it's like so you're rooting for the bad guy there and so there's a danger when you present a villain as a badass where I think people can get confused. But here's the because thing. Because that way we're admiring their strength. This Hitler in Heil Honey, I'm Home isn't a strong, charismatic dude. But here's but here's the thing, though. Uh, the Hitler that we're talking about, and this 
This very specifically takes place in 1938. Yeah. Because it's... Um, um, it takes place in Berlin, but it looks like... Yeah, like you said, it looks like New York, and they they speak English with American accents, even though it's a right. British show. Well, and it's because it, the 1938 was uh, the year of the uh, Munich Agreement, in September 30th, 1938. Mm. Um, the Munich Agreement... Uh, was because uh, Hitler had sort of taken hmm. over Czechoslovakia, <laughs> and Neville, Neville Chamberlain and a bunch of other European leaders came over and said, hey, can you stop doing that? And hmm. Hitler's like, sure, we're bros, right? <laughs> and Neville Chamberlain says, we sure are, Hitler. See? It's hmm. fine. He only took one country. <laughs> and then, of course, he took Poland the year afterwards, and we all went to war. <laughs> and everyone agreed it was one of the most shameful hmm. things in like foreign policy in history, where yeah. here is an authoritarian fascist dictator who is taking countries, and you think, well, we'll just get along with him until there's next mm. person's in power. That's not how that works. Well, you, and that's what uh, the the Churchill movie was about, the one yeah. with Gary Oldman, Darkest Hour, yeah, Darkest Hour, the one nobody remembers. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was pretty good, but like it was, it's it was very much like history. Mm skewed very specifically in, in one direction. Yeah. We're going to sort of gloss yeah, they, over all of the atrocities Churchill they, did. There was this idea, well, yeah, yeah, but there was this idea that Neville Chamberlain was seen as a, a weakling because he wanted to negotiate with Hitler even after he was already taking over the world. Yeah. And, and frankly, I don't disagree with that. And I think that this this pilot yeah, is actually really merciless to Neville, Neville oh, Chamberlain. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is kind and, of what and it's they about. make him into a boob as well. They do, yeah. and I think that's something that is that is worth noting uh, here. That in a way, mm-hmm. this episode of Heil Honey, I'm Home. At least when you look uh-huh. at it as just this one episode, not the other episodes they uh-huh. shot and never aired. Um, it's actually like a kind of a really damning look. At the Munich Agreement <laughs> and how Hitler was perceived by politicians who didn't want to engage with the fact that uh-huh. no matter what, you know, the, oh, we're and we're hosting the Olympics and we're doing all of these these cool things. Look at us, we're we're Nazis, we're, we're cool, right? And uh, no, for the record, never take that out of context. No, they are not cool. I just want to make that abundantly <laughs> don't, clear. Don't don't take out that snippet. Of, Whatever of you what fucking do, said, I yeah. swear to God. But like. That was how some people wanted to perceive Hitler, was in this very sanitized Mm. way. And Uh. the show kind of represents that complete folly. And Mm. although a lot of this movie is about Hitler saying, okay, Ava, don't tell the neighbors and Neville Chamberlain is coming over or they'll want to hang out. He is also talking about wanting to invade Poland. Like, they're not, like, (laughs) pretending he's not doing that. Uh So there's something really subversive. Mm. about using what we look of as innocuous sitcom tropes to highlight what propaganda is. Okay, and I think yeah. that's a little too clever for the room. <laughs> and like, like At best, this uh-huh. show is way too clever for its own good because I oh. don't think that reads very clearly if you just got done watching a bland regular sitcom. I suppose so. I think it is clever, though. This is. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I think this is a short film. It would be relatively yeah. Well, and, and I think it does come with a little bit of a disclaimer. And the idea is that this sitcom is actually from the 1930s, shot in color, and it looks like a 50s <laughs> sitcom. The idea is like this is found footage, uh-huh. and they came up with some imaginary producer saying, "Oh, and this guy's work was lost, but we finally found it, and here's the Hitler sitcom that's been lost to history." Mm-hmm. And that gives you a little bit of distance. At first, I thought that was real. I thought like, that was actually. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, this was actually like, like so this... bad. Somebody tried to bury it and they dug it back up and decided to air it. That's a that's a gimmick that's been used as well on uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Oh yeah, which is a show we really need to cover on here someday because that show was brilliant. Because <laughs> it was about this like oafish Stephen King type horror author who got mm-hmm. to do his own television series, but it was all just an ode to his own genius. So oh, half the show, you've never seen this? No. Half the show is the worst Twin Peaks knockoff you've ever <laughs> you've ever imagined. And the yeah. other half is the the horror author who plays the main character yeah. as well and wrote every episode. Uh-huh. And the producer and the cast remembering shooting the show and talking oh. <laughs> about all the mistakes that were oh, made. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Okay. Most of the episodes came up short, so we used a lot mm. of slow motion. Mm. Any scene without dialogue was considered a candidate for slow motion. <laughs> Some of the ones with dialogue. <laughs> There's a oh, whole gosh. scene in slow motion. It's stupid. Um, so the plot of... We've given you the gist of it, but... Yeah, it's it's a very typical sitcom yeah. plot. Hitler comes home and says, Hell, honey, I'm home. The entire audience goes, ah. um, Yeah, and, and the laugh track was was wielded deliberately. It's oh, like, yeah. I'm not sure if they even filmed in front of a studio audience. They I just wanted to make it look that way. Um, he comes home and you know his, his wife's mm. mad at him because he was late for dinner. And uh, then he turns out that he's invited Neville Chamberlain over for dinner. And she's just like, oh my God, I didn't take anything out of the freezer, you idiot. And uh, he's like, okay, but you can't tell the Goldensteins. And then we cut to the Goldensteins, who are a couple who live next door who hate each other. Yeah, they like just hate each other. Like it's just hatred. Oh, it's, it's like open a, hatred. Like that's all the yeah. joke is. It's like Fred and Ethel. You know, they're, Fred they're, and Ethel don't hate each other that much. But uh, they 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 uh, bicker, Ethel, but they don't hate. Okay. Fred Fred loved Ethel, but Ethel hated Fred. I don't think she hated Fred. I think they had too much in common. Okay, first of all, let's stop and give credit to Vivian Vance from Please. I Love Lucy because she was such an important part of that show. Oh, Fred and Ethel were the best. Yeah. Fred and Ethel were great, it, was great neighbors. William Frawley who played Fred? Frawley was his It name. was Frawley. I want to say it was William Frawley. I'm going to look it up. Frank Frawley? I forgot his first name. I, was, I apologize to Mr. Frawley. No, it's William Frawley. He William was, Frawley, yeah. okay. William, William, Frawley. William was, Frawley and Vivian Vance were a very important part of that show, and yeah. I thought they were both very, very funny. They were uh, they were uh, Ricky and Lucy's landlords and best friends, and they were also retired vaudevillians. Mm. So they were game for everything <laughs> that could possibly come up. Every disguise, every lie, every... You know, just underhanded attempt to sneak onto television. They were great characters. And they bickered a lot, but they did actually care about each other because they had a lot uh, in common. I suppose so. Although, I, I do remember more than one episode where, where Ethel sent Fred to prison just to oh yeah, to teach him a lesson. Or oh, to, yeah. Uh, well, a lot of those, I mean, not all. Some, some episodes of I Love Lucy are incredibly backward and suck. I'm not going to lie. Some were very uh, progressive, and they actually yeah. did talk a lot about... Um, sort of the battle of the sexes mm-hmm. and how uh, uh, Lucy and Ethel were actually trying the, the to one, take power back from they, the they, they husbands the who, who had, allegedly had the control of the relationship. Yeah, the, the show was about them. It, was, it yeah. wasn't about Lucy and Ricky. It was about Lucy and Ethel. Yeah. But, um, I mean, it's not Ricky there on the chocolate conveyor belt. It's Lucy <laughs> and Ethel are shoving chocolates into their mouths. But yeah, they are. It's weird when you watch the original pilot of I Love Lucy and you realize they wanted Ricky to be the star, and then yeah. Lucy stole. Because you watch that on the DVD, the original pilot is on there, and Lucy stole every fucking scene, <laughs> so they made it about Lucy, and as well they should have. I, Ricky Ricardo was very, very talented. Lucy was the star. I'm still waiting for the Scott Alexander, Larry Karaszewski biopic of Lucille Ball starring Anna Ferris. It's going to happen someday. Wasn't Kate Blanchett going to do one? She was. I remember hearing about that. Kate Blanchett is not Lucille. She Ball. Could have done it. She look. She can be funny. Yeah. She's no Lucille Ball. She's, Anna Ferris. 
can be Lucille Ball. I, I, listen, I, I'm grant you on this, yeah. and you and I are both big Anna Ferris fans, yeah. and that would be a totally awesome thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we're off on I Love Lucy. Uh, but yeah, the, the Goldensteins are yeah, a bickersome couple. They yell at each other, don't like each other. Uh, they, they spar and they insult each other, like sitcom characters do. Mm-hmm. Um, the institution of marriage, as, as it is depicted in sitcoms, is hell. Yeah. And it's this weird sort of male-based fear of emotional intimacy yeah. that has just been bleeding throughout the culture and still does to this very day. And I, and women, I, I, the women are on sitcoms are typically depicted as harridans, uh, and I feel and like mer- I feel like the men treat them that way, but that's, that's not necessarily well, the case. not necessarily so. And yeah. uh, and the marriage itself is always depicted as some sort of compromise. Here, here's the problem with the function of sitcoms versus the sort of the plot of sitcoms. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of sitcoms, for whatever reason, we mm. just decided that they would be about home yeah. life. Like, uh-huh. that was the majority of sitcoms for a really long time, and still kind of is. Mm. Um, so it's going to be about people who live together, and mm. in most cases are married or are yeah. part of a family. Almost every episode will take place in the home, mm-hmm. between the characters that we already know, and occasionally one interloper, a visiting yeah. guest, or a boss comes over, or something. Mm. But... Episodes of television and every dramatic narrative mm-hmm. are also about conflict. Yeah. So you can't portray them as being happy and content and not... I mean, yeah, every relationship and marriage has a problem or a fight now and then, but you can't treat them as actually being in each other's corners and supportive and still have a plot every week. Mm-hmm. So you have to build antagonism into the mechanism of their marriage mm-hmm. in order to get an episode every week. And then... All of a sudden, the marriage sucks, and that's uh. what the whole show is about, and that's what we have been shoving into every household for over 50 years, <laughs> is the idea that this is normal, this is what is expected of you. Mm. That's fucked up. Yeah, yep. And now Hitler's doing it. <laughs> well, that that's what the show's trying to do. It's trying yeah. to rip it apart. And I I really hate Married with Children, I think because a lot of the wrong lessons started to be taken started to be taken from it after a while. Yeah. Uh it, it was supposed to show kind of how horrible and petty and wicked and misogynistic a lot of those old sitcoms were and mm. we're just going to make the the central family as horrible as possible. I think and it's a little I, bit more to it than think, that, but fair Well, enough. I mean, that's that's sort of like the pitch for something like Married with Basically, Children. Yeah. But I think over the years, a lot of horrible people started to watch it as an aspirational show, and they saw Al Bundy as sort of like a, a figure to be like. Yeah, like, here's a guy who gets it, and like, no, yeah. it's actually really sad, like, his whole life and ethos. Yeah, he's he's a he's an unhappy person. Yeah, nothing pleases that man. Like everyone <laughs> in that family is in hell. Like yeah. it's a terrible. That's terrible the idea. Life. The, and the idea of yeah. married with children was, I think, trying to present this typical nuclear family as something to aspire to is actually just a way to get into hell. It's a nuclear family that is in the current process of exploding in slow motion. Yeah, yeah. Like you're just o- gonna over the course of like blow. six seasons, yeah, they're just exploding, <laughs> and. Uh, and I think as a concept, that's fine. I think in execution, it became too popular for its own good. Perhaps. But this, happens sometimes. Yeah. This, uh, and Married with Children debuted in the late 80s. So this is about the same time when we're trying to just do do away with the sitcom. Well, we're as best we're we deconstructing can. the sitcom. Yeah. And I think Married with Children got away with it for a while and then just sort of reinvented the raunchy sitcom. No. And uh, Hi, Honey, I'm Home was admittedly 
probably not a good idea the way that well, they handled it. And taking, as a result, it, it got... I think it's just taking that joke to a kind of a logical extreme. I agree. And that's why I think mm. it is kind of... It, that's why I agree. It's actually really watchable in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. But again, in context with what else is on TV, it's weird. And I totally get it. And I think mm. it is arguably very offensive. Well, did... You say arguably it's very offensive, and there's has yeah. all of these offensive in it. Were you personally offended? Offend, offended? Watch um, offensive. You know that's a really good question. Mm. Um, again, I have complicated thought process on it because mm. on one hand, I kind of appreciate it as a piece of historical satire. Mm. Like, okay, so we're gonna do, we're gonna we're gonna do like a a short film, like a thirty minute short film on the Munich Agreement, oh. and I'm going boring uh-huh. and then oh but we're gonna treat it as a sitcom in which mm. hitler totally pulls one over on wacky neville chamberlain and i'm like all right that's a pitch <laughs> that's a that's hell of a pitch that's actually kind of a brilliant pitch that's, isn't it I, it is a brilliant pitch but you, again use, using con- sitcom language yeah. to satirize some of the worst blunders of world history i, I get that i think yeah. that in of itself is a brilliant pitch and i do think in a vacuum this works. But again, you have to consider it within the context of its presentation. Mm-hmm. This wasn't presented as a satire of sitcoms. This is presented just as a sitcom. But and as a can, result, you get when it you're right away at, yeah, from, the t- from even the title. But you again, get it. not everyone who is watching it uh-huh. signed up for that. Well, they, but, not, that's not necessarily their taste and not necessarily yeah. their sense of humor. They were on board for, again, Boy Meets World or whatever the hell. <laughs> so. When this is just sprung on you, uh-huh. regardless of whether or not it's what you asked for, then it becomes potentially in bad taste because not necessarily the people who will find mm. this funny are going to be looking at it. Well, you got to appreciate that, the... listen, on some level, uh-huh. and again, Great Dictator is a classic. Producers is a classic. Jojo Rabbit is a great movie. Mm. On some level, Hitler isn't funny. Okay. There is a very distinct level mm. on which Hitler is not funny. Yeah, I'm not watching... I'm not watching you know, Triumph of the Will and, of course and, not. and getting my yucks. No, what know, kind of so. what kind of monster would? But I'm just saying there is a line, and mm. I think that line is not necessarily in the same place for everybody. Mm. And so when you spring this on an unsuspecting public, you're gonna get a lot of people who just and with good cause, and I totally get it, and if you don't laugh at Hitler under any circumstance, I'm not gonna judge you too harshly for that. Mm. Because yeah. He's fucking Hitler. He's the, one of the worst human beings who ever walked the face of the earth. So I'm not going to complain too much if you find this offensive. I get it. Okay. I think they tried something clever that is on paper very, very clever. Mm. I think they got away with it better than you'd think based on the pitch. But I also think it was probably not a good sell for network television in 1990 well, well, randomly thrown on television without uh, any preamble so or without any sort of block of programming that supports that level yeah, of satire. You're, you're trying to put yourself in the, the headspace of somebody who's watching a lot of these sitcoms exactly. and enjoying themselves. Yeah. I'm putting myself in the headspace of somebody who's at home, bored, bitter, doesn't have a lot of choices on television, mm-hmm. and is watching these block of sitcoms while they eat their TV dinners because they just need chewing gum for their eyeballs. And there's not a lot that's really kind of engaging them. And all of a sudden you hear the Hitler sitcom is up next. You're going to prick up, aren't you? It's like, okay, I'm going to watch Dad's War, again, and I'm going to watch these other boring shows that are pulling on the same tropes we've been using for 50 fucking years at... Is there a Hitler sitcom? Mm. You have my interest, television. Uh, the, the the show was actually Dad's Army. Dad's Army. I believe that was the actual uh, Dad's title. War, I, I Dad's Army. But here's but here's the thing though. You're counting on the audience for your block of unironic programming to be ironic. 
That's a mm-hmm. very small group of people who are actually going to yeah. sit down and watch that show uh-huh. and find it randomly. Yeah. So I get it. I do. And I think on some level the show is kind of offensive just in its existence. I do believe that there is a level in which that we can simply enjoy it, but you need mm-hmm. to be ready for it. So, I don't know, we got sidetracked from the show. So, uh, no, we we're discussing the nature no, of the no, show. No, no, but we, we, I mean, we got sidetracked from the plot. Oh. We, we were in the middle of giving the plot. The, the, we, we I know, just want to get through right. I just want to get through it so people know what, they, what they've seen in case they don't, I don't want to watch it for themselves. Um, Hitler makes Ava Braun promise not to tell the Golden Stains mm. that Neville, Neville Chamberlain is coming yeah. over. So, she hints at it strongly and says, I'm not allowed to tell you, but if you guessed it would be fine. So mm. they play charades. Oh. Uh-huh. Wacky. That's that's an I Love Lucy plot. It right totally there. is. And she, when when her neighbor finds out that Neville Chamberlain is coming over, she wants to hook them up with her niece who's staying over, who is just a very boring person, mm. like a cartoonishly boring person. I, I collect old oatmeal. I forgot what she collects. Something gross. I don't remember what, what she collects, but she wanted to just stay at home and watch their caged bird in a wheel. Yeah, like that was that was her like idea of a good time. We Neville Chamberlain comes over and he's adult. Mm. He's just a doofus, and there's a bit. <laughs> he's, he's, he's one of Monty Python's upper class twits. Yeah, like there's a bit where they like, uh, like, oh yes, I used I used to drink sherry all the time. <laughs> he, there's a yeah. bit where they ask him, um, mm. like, uh, oh, oh, Neville, uh, Mister Chamberlain, tea, mm. and Neville Chamberlain says, oh, all right, I'm a little teapot short, and <laughs> which is so yeah. stupid. You have to laugh mm. that just Neville Chamberlain. Former Prime Minister of England, a controversial figure, <laughs> and someone who I think most people agree fucked a lot of things up, is <laughs> portrayed as so stupid yeah. that when the word tea is mentioned to him, he doesn't say, yes, I would like some. Mm-hmm. He, he says, I'm a little teapot. Yeah. The show has a point of view. <laughs> Neville Chamberlain tries to give Hitler the, the peace accord, and the, the misquote... He actually, Neville Chamberlain actually gave a speech about it. He said, this is peace for our time. Mm, not peace in our time. Peace in yeah. our time is a misquote that got popularized. Actually, I think it was Noel Coward. The play it. called Peace in Our Time oh, yeah. that was about uh, what if uh, England had been occupied mm. as, opposed to, as opposed to bombed during World War II. I think it was Noel Coward. Um, so it's the peace in our time treaty. And Hitler goes, I'm not doing that. And um, everyone is drunk. And they're doing a conga line. Well, and then the when Neville Chamberlain the original finds out... The idea is they're going to get the Goldensteins to drink so much they have to go lay down. But they right. just get drunk and stay. And they get drunk and party mm. with Neville Chamberlain. Mm. Neville Chamberlain's having a wonderful time. And then Hitler was so mm. disgusted by the peace accord that he threw it in the refrigerator like <laughs> you do. And then the Goldensteins find it and they're, they're trying to make it out because it got a little wet in the fridge. And mm. Neville Chamberlain is so offended uh-huh. that Hitler would be so underhanded... Mm-hmm. As to throw away the peace accord uh-huh. that Hitler has to prove he's just a normal, nice, fun guy and he uh-huh. parties with them all and then he signs it. Mm. And of course, he doesn't fucking mean it, just like Hitler, who actually signed that peace accord, eventually said it was just a piece of paper uh-huh. and then went on to start World War II <laughs> in earnest. Mm. The show has a point of view. 
about history and how we treated Hitler in the 1930s, yeah. or at least too many people treated Hitler in the 1930s, as someone who Could can be negotiated, be, can with. Be negotiated yeah. with, can be placated, who might just be another leader who has ideas we disagree with. And no, we don't, you know, there are people mm-hmm. who are like in America saying we shouldn't take refugees from Germany. It's not that bad over there. Uh-huh. Um, and there, were, there, was, there was a documentary, it was a documentary mm-hmm. short nominated this year mm-hmm. or last year. Uh, at the Academy Awards that was just found footage. They found this footage uh. of a giant Nazi rally in New York City. <laughs> giant Nazi rally. Uh. It, like swastikas uh. next to big pictures of George Miami. Washington. That is so like mind-bogglingly not, offensive not, to Madison the eyes. Square Garden Nazi rally. Oh my God. So mind-bogglingly uh. offensive to the eyes. But there were people who were on board with this Hitler guy. The propaganda worked. This mm. is a satire of that propaganda. Yeah. And it's a, I think it's pretty clearly a satire of that propaganda, but I don't think it reached the very hyper-specific audience uh-huh. that it was going for. And as a result, I think a lot of people took it the wrong way, and mm. I don't entirely blame them. Because <laughs> certainly, it is playing with fire. Mm. In fact, if you listen to the closing credits... Because, like, at the end of the credits of these shows, there would be, like, a voiceover just saying, well, I can't believe Lucy got out of that one. Now, coming up next on Gilligan's Island. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah. And if you listen to the closing credits on this episode of How Honey, I'm Home, there's the guy sounds a little befuddled. And yeah. he's like, well, that got political. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, the, the color commentator for BBC Two or whatever or station Galaxy it was. Or whatever. Galaxy or yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, well... Anyway, moving on. <laughs> Jeez, never airing that again. And indeed, they didn't. The show was scrapped immediately. Um, uh, apparently, oh, yeah. apparently, there were a bunch of other episodes that were filmed, uh, but we just don't have access to them. No, nope. if, if they if they ever un- unearth themselves, we'll do a follow up. I, I would episode, be fascinated so, yeah. to watch them. I got to tell you, I don't know how um, you keep this up for more than one episode. Yeah, well, I mean, I I was raised on Monty Python. I discovered Monty Python was around twelve, right. and there are so many Hitler jokes in Monty Python. Uh, That's true, but he wasn't the protagonist, and they didn't keep no, those like, jokes going half an hour every week. That's true, but there were like large. Hitler chunks and there's a big Hitler sketch in one episode where he's trying to start the Third Reich again but it's in like this little Welsh town and nobody cares. Yeah I remember that. like I am going to give these speeches and there's like four kids and this one Welsh farmer and they're just sort of what is he talking about? (laughs) Yeah. It's about sort of this this new kind of British indifference. Like, no, this guy's not. This guy can't whip up anybody into a frenzy in England. England is far too stead a place. Uh, that's the gag. I, I, that's anyway, that's yeah. the gag in, in Monty yeah. Python. And they also did sitcom spoofs like this. There was one called The Attila the Hun Show. It's like I a, Family Guy makes jokes yeah. like this all the time. Yeah, and Family Guys will like do uh, a bit about yeah. like how Putin has his own sitcom. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like, yeah. And he usually does it in these like quick little cutaways. But again, those those are presented in such a way that like this is a sketch. Yeah, it still might be offensive, and you're allowed to say so if you, mm. that's how you feel. But it's clearly presented as a bit of sketch comedy and not a sincere sitcom. Right. Which I can appreciate okay. that if you were I, only half paying attention or even just blindsided, you might say to yourself, "This was a this was in poor taste." Tyler, I'm home. I think there's an argument to be made. Uh, absolutely there is. But I think that the film is savvy enough to uh, be presenting itself as satire. That no. it, it is clearly a joke taken to a logical extreme. And uh, I admire that they're taking a, that joke to a logical extreme. Mm-hmm. 
you know, this is like a bunch of people sitting around getting high saying, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we do this sketch, the Attila the Hun show? Wait a minute, what if we actually did the show? Right. What if we did the Attila the Hun show? That's terrible. Yeah, let's do it. And I think they know it's a terrible idea, and I think that's the point, is that it's a terrible idea. And I love that it seems to play as this, yeah, kind of deconstruction of pop media in general, Mm -hmm. as well as what you're saying, doing these sort of clever little uh, winks as to what was going on historically in 1938 in England and in Germany. Yeah, and and, and also Mm. it's worth noting the show does very quickly take the piss out of Hitler. Like, one of the first things... Mm. Uh, Ava Braun does in this sitcom is to call him Adolf Schickelgruber, which of course mm. was his father's real name. Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> it's there, yeah. there, yeah. Mm. But yeah, this is a bizarre thing to put on television. Yeah, in any context, mm. whether you find it funny, whether you find it in poor taste, this is yeah. weird that this exists and was on a network television. You know, this was on yeah. network TV. This was not on Adult Swim. This is not a sketch on the sh- on a comedy show. Mm. This was they just thought this might work. Wow. Uh. Um, was it canceled too soon? I'm actually going to say because I yeah. actually, in general, I agree with you. I do believe that when you look at this in the context in which it seems mm. to be intended as historical satire, as some rather pointed jabs at Neville Chamberlain as much as anybody. Um, I do believe that in a vacuum, this is actually an interesting short. Yeah. yeah. I can't see this working over multiple episodes. I Uh, genuinely can't. uh, Maybe there's another funny episode or two in here, but I do not see this lasting a hundred episodes without completely losing the point. Because like you pointed out with Married with Children, Mm. after a while you live with it for so long, Mm. the shock value wears off. And now this is just what it is. Well, I, I think what you'd have to do is, if you're going to do Heil Honey, I'm Home continuously, it's not going to last more than a season by design. Yeah. Uh, I would like to see all 11 episodes. I'd be fascinated to see all 11. I would love to see a sitcom, but in the background we get to sort of see this insidious rise of Hitler until we get yeah. to, like, and the series ends in 1945. Yeah, uh, that could be interesting. That, like, would, like, that would be really interesting because now we're sort of seeing the the insidious banality of evil rising in the background of the most banal setting. I would actually love that because, again, most people don't view themselves as evil, even Mm -hmm. if they're doing evil things. And so just sort of to use that element to tell a very dark grim story which I don't think is what they would the network would have wanted well, them to do but yeah. but yeah, remember this but that's, is around that's the time that's kind of what the, what they were getting at there's all bit. this darkness in well, the background he steps out on his balcony and there's like the Reich cheering below him he's like ah oh, there they are again well you gotta remember so there, there's like the the horror is just beyond their window well there's the show and that inside I think about, here is just like a regular sitcom the show that I think about uh-huh. uh, is actually another British series that was was, um, mm. yeah, no, it had already been on for, for quite a while. Right. Uh, Blackadder. Uh, Have you ever watched Blackadder? Yeah, yeah. Blackadder, if you've never seen Blackadder, a lot of people know Rowan Atkinson, brilliant comedian Rowan Atkinson, uh, for his work as Mr. Bean, who is a sort of befuddled silent comedy yeah. uh, uh, type character. He also had another great series mm. on the BBC called Blackadder, or as it was known in the original season, The Blackadder. Yeah. In which Rowan Atkinson played different members of a whole line of historical men who played key roles in British history mm. without usually. But off to the side. Usually yeah. off to the side, like not super famous. Like, uh-huh. And um, they were all played by Rowan Atkinson and they were all assholes. Uh-huh. And it was very, very funny. And it took a lot of pot. The more you knew about history, the funnier it was. Mm. 
Um, and there was actually some real darkness to it when it tackled serious issues. The last series of Blackadder mm-hmm. took was, place in World War One. World War One, yeah, yeah, and serious. it was all took place in the trenches. This was a sitcom. Uh huh. In the trenches, a lot of people were fucking murdered in the trench. Like it was a mm. horrible place to be. Uh-huh. And Blackadder played, or uh, Rowan Atkinson played uh, Lieutenant Blackadder, or whatever his uh-huh. rank was, uh, or I guess we Lieutenant. Lieutenant Blackadder. Whatever he was. His name Um, was Blackadder. uh, And he was always trying to get out of the push. Stephen Fry played his commanding officer, and his whole thing was, we're going to just go over the top, and we're going to get him. And Blackadder's just like, every time we do that, we just get killed. And Stephen Fry's like, so they won't expect it again. (laughs) And the series ended with the time that Blackadder couldn't get out of it. Mm. And then going over the top... And then it just faded away to, like, years later, the battlefield is now covered in flowers. Okay. And it was really sobering. Uh-huh. And you realize that you watch a sitcom in which the protagonists died at the end. Yeah, well, and that, because that was, it was about was the, real history. Well, and that was the end of every season. Like, at the end of the, the Queen Elizabeth episode, a, a, an imposter poisoned everybody, including Black Adder. Well, there was one where Black Adder actually ended up, like, the season ended with him, like, becoming king. Oh, right, but, yeah. So like, it wasn't always terrible, but, mm. yeah. It was, uh, they dealt with difficult topics in a very sensitive way. Mm. I don't know how Honey, I'm Home is going to do it very sensitively. Like, that's the thing that I, I wonder. I, I could see the last episode of Heil Honey, I'm Home being sort of this big sort of wacky mix-up. Oh, no, how are we going to start this war? Oh, I'm going to annex Norway and whatever yeah. he's doing. And at the very end, it, there's going to be this really sort of somber moment where mm. uh, the, na- the neighbors are taken away. Ooh, and, God, and, that would be fucking horrifying. And that's the way you end the series. That's so fucking. Tr- I don't even mm. know if I can handle that. Just thinking about that. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. I want to give you. A- I, I think it's fine to use a, a certain kind of aggressive and, for lack of a better term, tasteless humor if you're doing it to make some sort of point. Well, again, whether, whether or not it's a good or a bad point can be argued, but right. I think Isle Honey I'm Home does have something on its mind. It's not just. Family Guy style tasteless humor. No, I agree. I do believe it's smarter than that. And again, the, look at Jojo Rabbit this year. It's another one where there's a lot of broad humor to it, but it is using that to tell mm. a point about how a child was easily misled mm. into uh, disturbing political beliefs. Yeah, and how difficult it was for him to break out of it. Um, and again, you look at the Great Dictator, like producers, there's a lot of different movies and shows or whatever that have dealt with the horrors and atrocities of World War II using humor as a mechanism to ease audiences into it mm. and surprise them with the realities. Yeah. That can be done really, really well. My question for you is this, and I think this is... The producers of the show have talked about how they intended it to be satirical mm. and it didn't go over well, and maybe they did it wrong. They've all talked about that. But we talk about how, you know, oh, maybe if it had ended in just this way. I want to ask a question. Okay. What if we're giving the creators of Howl Honey, I'm Home too much credit? Well, it's entirely possible. Yeah. Um, but I, I can't put myself in the producers' minds. I don't know yeah. what they were intended. Maybe they wanted to vaunt Hitler. Maybe they are all Nazis. I, I don't know. I, 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 somehow they, they I doubt it. They didn't say that. They, they, they were interviewed about somehow it. Somehow I, I doubt it. All, all, that I, seems can unlikely, ju- all I can judge is what I see on the screen, and I'm getting a lot from what I, I'm seeing. I didn't mean too much credit in terms of maybe they like Hitler. I think that's a, that's well, a hell I mean, of an accusation. I don't think that... that maybe, you but think, maybe they wouldn't do it right. Oh, okay. Maybe the, this... Maybe the the show had continued. Mm. It simply would have made Hitler too fun. 
Yeah. Well, I would love That's to see danger. No matter what they're going to do, I want to see it. I want to see no, what they're trying. Enough. Yeah. So I'm going to say, yeah, it was canceled too soon. Heil Honey, I'm Home was canceled too soon. I'm going to say uh-huh. it was not canceled too soon. Okay. I think this was... I think, it, it, I think, it, I think the episode it, it that we got is fascinating. It functions perfectly well as a short. That's the yeah. thing. I think if this were a short that was yeah. playing at festivals... You could even keep the whole found footage thing and yeah, yeah. have it look like because you know there's no pristine copy of this. Uh-huh. You can watch it online very easily, but mm-hmm. it looks like a VHS rip is because that's what it yeah. is. It's pretty well preserved VHS mm-hmm. rip, but that's all mm-hmm. you got. Um, yeah, if this had played at Sundance for the first time this year, people would be like, "Oh my god, who did mm-hmm. that? Uh-huh. How did they get away with that? <laughs> Holy shit!" Like people would be interested, and I think it would have worked to a degree yeah but yeah springing it on people in sitcom time was a recipe for cancellation <laughs> it was a recipe for cancellation i admit it i admire their audacity yeah man anyway hell of an episode hell of an episode uh wow <laughs> there's a reason we kept putting this one off it's a weird conversation to have uh, no i think it's i think it's a, it's a good conversation to have i, didn't say I think that. i said weird talks about sort of the, the function of satire and how we view world war ii and how uh humor can be used to talk about uh, dark, dangerous things in a, a bleak sort of way, and mm-hmm. still be funny. I, I, yeah. I don't object in principle to tasteless humor, it, but it has to be done right. Well, yeah, of well, course, of course it has to be. be of course, it has to be done right. I don't yeah. need to qualify that. I, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm saying right, that enough, that uh, t- tasteless humor serves a very good function, and being tasteless uh, with a bit of wit and actually understanding what you're doing actually being able to shock is a is a good thing I would argue however yeah this is where I get to say it I'm sorry. you have to do it right okay well that's my yeah. thing I argue here's my and maybe this is a semantics argument all right because when I qualified what you were saying my, my thought is this uh-huh. if you're tasteless with wit mm. and with thought in an attempt to give your audience more than just tasteless humor, but something to think about with your tasteless humor, uh-huh. I would argue that it's no longer tasteless. It might be shocking. Mm-hmm. It might be controversial. It might be troubling. It might even be bad. All right. But I don't know if it's tasteless at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I so that's mm-hmm. that was what I was called. Oh, okay, you know, yeah, I, what, what I think uh, like making making jokes about uh, like emotionally touchy things. Yeah. Is, I would argue tasteless is when you're just saying horrible things mm-hmm. to say them. Okay. I would argue that is tasteless, and I'm and I, not and saying there isn't even a place for that, there's, there's, but it's there can, generally there's context not for that great sort humor. of thing as well. But yeah. yeah, it's I generally not. I don't think that humor usually works, but mm-hmm. maybe when I was younger, but not so much now. But then you know, I'm I'm one of those weirdos that liked watching movie forty three. So, you are uh, weird for that. We, not, you, we probably I'm not should the, have mentioned that. At the, I'm not. At the top. I'm not the only one, by the way. There are other, there are other critics out there who gave movie forty three a good review. Maybe two or three, but yeah, you, we probably should have mentioned. We should mention this at the top of every podcast we do. <laughs> like the worst movie that you and I both like. So like, no. yeah. Oh, I'm Whitney Seibold, and I like movie forty three. I like, like, like I'm William and I like Benji the Hunted. I, I I don't think it's a classic. And there's <laughs> I don't think there's something deep and, and important. There's not. It's not like Freddie Got Fingered. Where What's you can the worst movie that I that I that I defend? It's the worst movie. Yeah, you would probably know better than I do because I don't think it's bad. Oh, golly. Um, I'm trying to think. think Some people would argue like White House Down, but that's just good. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, I'm not going to get on you for White House Down. White House Down is Gem and the Holograms, but you like that one too, so. I think you like that one. No, we like that one about the same. It's a slumber party movie. It's harmless. I I Mm. like it. Um, Yeah, I'm not really sure. I I once gave like a a semi-positive review to The Adventures of Pluto Nash. 
That that's a weird one. I was like, oh, that's colorful and spirited. Three stars. I was like, oh, wait, everybody hates this thing. I got some crap for liking uh, The Mortal Engines. Okay. Which was also yeah. a cool movie. Damn it. <laughs> I liked it. Oh. You guys are asses. Oh, the Ewok <laughs> movies. You like the Ewok the movies? The second Ewok movie, Battle for Endor. Mm. I like Battle for, I think Battle for Endor is better than at least half of the other Star Wars movies. Uh, it, yeah, it's ranked about the middle, I think. Yeah, it's better than at least most of the prequels. Like, maybe not as good as Revenge <laughs> okay. of the Sith, but it's in the conversation with Revenge yeah. of the Sith, if you ask me. I, I got really frustrated when, like, all of the... Uh, entertainment outlets and even on Twitter people are like, oh I'm gonna rank all of the Star Wars films and they never list them all no they always the, leave the new out one the cartoon the, and the, the new, Ewok yeah, movies the new one is the 15th film but they only rank up to like number 8 or 9 mm-hmm. they, they forget most of them no they don't forget they just erase history to because it's convenient yeah I'm sorry you know those movies exist I'm talking about the theatrically released okay where's the cartoon that was theatrically released or the, the Ewok, Ewok movies, movies were released theatrically were, overseas. released overseas so yeah. where are those yeah well I don't count them why not? Why are we just not? Why are, right. we, why are we just ignoring history? Just put them okay. at the bottom if you don't like them. Okay, I'm going to rank all the Star Wars films I like. Number one, Star Wars. Done. You like some of the other ones? Fine. They're, they're okay. You like, you like, I like the, the Last first Jedi. One I like The Last Jedi. Okay. I like the first one. I like The Last Jedi. I like, I like, um, I like quite a few. All right. We should talk about that when we review Star Wars and Critically Acclaimed. Well, we'll which will be Star which will be Wars soon. Yeah. Um, anyway, we got to move on because um, there's a new one. We are we are getting off track. Um, thank you everybody for listening to Cancelled Too Soon again. Sorry we couldn't do Mag's Headroom. I really wanted to do Mag's Headroom, Me and maybe too. We, and maybe we'll get to it at some point yeah. down the line. And that kind of theme month we've been threatening for yeah, years. Yeah. Um, uh, next week on Cancelled Too Soon, we might not have an episode because it's the holidays. We're, we're going to try to get something in, but it's yeah. it's giving our schedules. It's not looking likely. Wh- so Whitney we don't is get going away for yeah. a week. We're trying to cram in as many shows as possible. If Cancel Too Soon needs to take uh, a backseat, this is probably the show that would. Mm. Um, however, we would be back the next week with the winner of our latest Patreon poll, Father mm. of the Pride. Uh, which is another one that's not in very good taste because it's a wacky comedy about the Tigers who worked for Siegfried and Roy that was made, obviously, before... The tragedy yeah, of Siegfried and Roy. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God. It's so horrifying. Um, next, we're going to find the most problematic fil- uh, show creators and do one oh show for each God. one. Let's not. Um, but we got, we'll got. we have that coming up, if not next week, then the week after. Yeah. But we will have other shows uh, on the Critically Acclaimed Network. We have Critically Acclaimed. We're going to be reviewing all the other movies coming up for December. Um, we are going to have... <laughs> other things you're running out of energy I I'm tell. so out of energy there will be other cool stuff mm. head on over to the Patreon for exclusive content patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network head on over to Twitter at critic acclaim I'm at William Bibiani I'm at Whitney Seibold and um, we'll see you next season <laughs>